golf and basketball have been a common theme as of late. This past weekend, John Rahm won the Genesis Invitational over the weekend for the PGA. He's now the number one golfer in the world. Tiger Woods looked good, then looked bad, then looked like a great golfer, then looked like a great golfer who's gotten a little older. It's Tiger Woods. Still amazing to watch every single time he's on the course. Rory McIlroy came like two inches short of this one shot where he was pretty much standing sideways on a curve around a green. It was insane. (laughs) Definitely insane. Great golfers. Great golfers. And Riviera, man, I don't know if I'd ever want to golf there. That course looks super tough, but it's also super beautiful. So yeah, I would golf it if I got the opportunity. Then this weekend was also the NBA All-Star Festivities. DK Metcalf, the wide receiver from the Seattle Seahawks, got on the basketball court and won the MVP of the celebrity game. Calvin Johnson was involved. Albert Pujols, 21 Savage, Corday, Janelle Monet, The Miz, a WWE superstar, was on the court. It was kind of cool to watch. I don't mind celebrity games. You get to see who's athletic. You get to see who can play basketball. It was cool. Jose Alvarado, the point guard from the New Orleans Pelicans, won the Rising Star MVP. If you haven't heard this, you are locked in a closet. Mac McClung. Yeah, who? Beat Trey Murphy III, Jericho Sims, and Kenyon Martin Jr. in the slam dunk contest. And yeah, nobody's heard of this guy. Actually, nobody's really heard of any of the four except Kenyon Martin Jr. And it's not because of him. It's because of his dad, Kenyon Martin. But Mac McClung comes out of nowhere and throws down some pretty awesome dunks to win the dunk contest. It was a cool story. It was kind of cool underdog-ish out of nowhere and just throws it down. I don't think the slam dunk contest is like... Oh my God, must see. I actually didn't even watch it. I went back and watched replays. But going back and watch it, the dunks, I'm like, oh, these are cool. So it was cool, but I don't think the slam dunk contest is a much see thing. But I obviously wanted to watch those dunks and I've rewatched them a couple times. So it is what it is. Three point contest, Dame Lillard. I haven't heard his name that much this year. Not Compared to other years, I know he's getting a little older. He's been in the league for a little bit. But Dame Willard is still the real deal. Well, he won the three-point contest over Buddy Held, Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero, Kevin Horder, Laurie Markkinen, Julius Randle, and Jason Tatum. But Tatum, you know, he might not have won a three-point contest, but he sets a record in the All-Star game, the main event of the weekend, 55 points The most that's ever been scored in the game. And of course, he wins the All-Star Game MVP, which is named after Kobe Bryant. 55 points in the All-Star Game. That's the real deal. It was kind of boring, though. The game was kind of boring. It doesn't really mean anything. There's no defense. It's not a real game. It's pretty much just an exhibition to see who can shoot and who can throw down some dunks. And as our friend Pat Beals been on the show a couple times, still stay in touch with him. He said in a text today, they'll throw down dunks in the All-Star game that they should have, could have, would have, need to put down in the slam dunk contest. 
I agree with him completely. Why are you doing it in the game when you can do it in the slam dunk contest? If you're worried about getting hurt, what does that mean? You're still doing the same dunks. Maybe they should do what the MLB did and made the all-star game, you know, the home field advantage for the World Series. Do something like that or something similar or something to make it competitive. And then the all-star game would be awesome. I mean, you got the best talent of the best talent of the best talent on the court. And it's cool watching them play together, but it's not as cool if they're not really playing together. You know what I mean? They're just there doing their own individual thing and trying to chuck up points to break records like 55 points in a game. No offense to Jason Tatum. That's a cool accomplishment. But he did it in a layup line. He did it, you know, wide open, not really contested shots. So it is what it is. My name is Brandon Lachance. I am the host of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Where can you listen to Edge of Your Seat Podcast? Spotify. Apple Podcasts, and our website, www.rss.com, backslash podcasts, that's with an S, it's plural, backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Social medias, we are on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. You can also hit up my personals, Facebook, my name, Brandon Lachance, looks like LA Chance, and Twitter, Lachance Writer. Please, on all of those sites, like, review, star, comment, anything that you can do to help us out, move up the ladder of the podcast game. You know, we're just trying to get Illinois out and shine the biggest spotlight on everybody around here that we can. If you have a question, suggestion, you would like to be a guest, you know somebody that would be a good guest, you like or don't like something that I or a guest said, or you want to sponsor with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, send an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, much love to Brian Cavelli, the mastermind of Cavelli Productions that put down the intro and outro beat. And this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast is brought to you by First State Bank, 20 locations over northern central Illinois. Great people doing great things can help you in any way possible, any way that you need in terms of banking, hit up First State Bank for them to help you take care of your banking needs. This is episode 254. We're going to stick to the theme, basketball and golf. When it comes to our guests with Gray Giovanni, who coached 21 seasons of men's basketball at Augustana College in Rock Island, He retired in 2020. He had 443 wins, 150 losses. That's a 743 winning percentage. Not too shabby. He won 10 College Conference of Illinois and Wisconsin championships, 6 conference tournament titles, had 10 trips to the NCAA Division III tournament, and he made it to two title games. But I didn't even have him on the show or talk to him to discuss him. He is the son of Chips Giovanni, who's a legendary boys basketball coach at LaSalle Peru High School, and he was named to the Illinois Valley News Tribune Hall of Fame last June. We caught up with Gray to talk about his dad and talked a little bit about his career, things that were going on with him. Gray, a really interesting guy and has a lot of stuff going on, even in retirement. 
Then we're joined by Geneseo Golf representatives and junior Hayden Moore, who finished second in the state at the Class 2A state meet in October. I know I just mentioned this, but he's a junior. So he has one year of high school golf left. He's hungry for a title. You finished second? And wait till you hear how he finished second. He could have won this year. He's hungry. Oh, he's hungry. And Geneseo golf coach Scott Hardison is excited about his Maple Leaf team. They had a great season this past year. And he's ecstatic to have more for one more year as well. And of course, we have win-lose stat as we catch up and break down everything that's been going on in this winter season. We are going to break down January 26th to February 1st. We do have some postseason results in there as well as boys bowling and competitive dance had their state meets on January 27th and 28th. So those two wrapped up and competitive cheerleading had their sectional on January 28th. All winter sports are in the postseason now. So the fantastic winter sports season that we've had is running down, but now it just gets really exciting to see who's going to win state titles, who is doing their thing as the end is near. So we'll have a word with our sponsor, First State Bank. Then we will do win-lose stat. Then we will get to our interviews with Greg Giovanni, Geneseo Golf representatives Hayden Moore, and Scott Hardison, and hear from our sponsors, Mendota Ford and Surf Internet. So we have an action-packed episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, just like we like. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account? Pay off a high-interest credit card? Or take that vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but no worries. You can apply for one of those online also. Check out FSB Premier's account that pays higher interest for doing just a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quillo loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Let's kick off win-lose stat with Thursday, January 26th. Boys Hoops Tri-County Conference Consolation Semifinals. Number four seeded Midland beat number eight Low Point Washburn 57-43. For Midland, Brett Smith had 21 points and Keegan Faulkner had 14. Number three, Putnam County beat number seven, Woodland, 53-24. For the Panthers, Wyatt Grimshaw had 13 points, Jackson McDonald and Austin Mattingly had 12 points apiece. Outside of the tournament, Plano 56, Serena 39, LaSalle Peru beat Streeter 61-46. Sandwich, 55, Oregon, 44. His sandwich was led by Chance Lang's 13 points, and Oregon was led by Noah Johnson's 14. Staying on the basketball court, but going to the girls' side. Kiwani, 52, St. Bede, 50. A two-point win from the Lady Boilermakers. For Kiwani, Maya Deering had 25 points. 
St. Bede was down 17 at one point, came back to tie it, but Kiwani was able to hold off the Lady Bruins. Putnam County 38, Dwight 31, Ava Hatton had 14, and Gabby Doyle had 12 for the Lady Panthers. Seneca 48, Roanoke Benson 43, Seneca was led by Ella Starling's 18 points. Marquette 43, Henry Sinanchuan 18, Lily Craig had 23 points, and Avery Durden had 10 points for the Marquette Lady Crusaders. Mendota 45, Newman 34, Rihanna Brandt had a monster game for the Lady Trojans. 20 points, 15 rebounds, 3 blocks, 3 steals, 2 assists. Woof! Katie Jenner had 10 points and 4 steals for Mendota. Polo 40, Amboy 36, Princeton 48, Burrow Valley 34, Ottawa 52, Caneland 33. That was the 20th win for Ottawa on the season. Fieldcrest beat Tremont by 3, 55-52 for Fieldcrest. Ashlyn May had 17 points, Caitlin White had 14 points, and Carolyn McGow had 13 points. Indian Creek 44, Hiawatha 38, Isabella Turner with a big double-double, 26 points and 14 rebounds for Indian Creek. El Paso Gridley lost to Hayworth 45-30. Hayworth outscored EPG 31-8 in the second half. On the wrestling mats, DeKalb beat Hananiga 64-8. This ended DeKalb's regular season with a 20-2 record. 20 wins, 2 losses on the wrestling mats. That's a big deal. Rochelle beat Princeton 45-32. In the swimming pool, the Byron Co-op defeated LaSalle-Peru-Ottawa Co-op 51-41. The winners of the events, 200 medley relay was won by Byron, Levi Shamper, Nathan Bell, Gage Helfrich, and Kevin Maldonado with a 1 minute 47.10 second swim. In the 200 free, Bell won for Byron, 1 minute, 56.67 seconds. In the 200 intermediate, Byron won again, this time by Gage Helfrich with a 2 minute, 7.27 second swim. In the 50 free, Owen Phillips got a win for LaSalle, Peru in 23.01 seconds. In the 100 butterfly, Helfrich won again for Byron, 56.12 seconds. In the 100 free, Phillips got another win for the Cavaliers in 50.42 seconds. The 500 free, Levi Shamper won for Byron, 5 minutes, 29.95 seconds. In the 200 free relay, the LaSalle Peru Cavaliers got the dub, Jonathan New, Andrew Gritt, Bo Whittle, and Owen Phillips in 1 minute, 45.09 seconds. In the 100 backstroke, Bell from Byron won in 59.84 seconds. In the 100 breaststroke, Shamper won from Byron 1 minute, 10.74 seconds. Byron also won the 400 free relay with Andrew Payne, Helfrich, Bell, and Shamper in 3 minutes, 45.71 seconds. This moves us on to Friday, January 27th. Getting back to the Tri-County Conference Tournament for Boys Hoops. In the consolation title game, number four Midland beat number three Putnam County 46 to 43. 
for Midland. Keegan Faulkner had 19, and Brett Smith had 10 points. Jackson McDonald had 21, and Austin Mattingly had 15 for the Putnam County Panthers. In the third place game, number 6 Roanoke Benson lost to number 5 Dwight, 52-48. Roanoke Benson had two guys score 16 points each in Jude Zeller and Zeke Kerfoot. The title game saw number 2 Marquette win the tournament 59-54 over the top-seeded Seneca Fighting Irish. Marquette was led by Tommy Dearden's 20 and Crew Bond's 12. Seneca's Paxton Gertz had 27 points. The all-tournament team, Midland senior Brett Smith, Putnam County senior Jackson McDonald, Seneca junior Lane Province, Marquette senior Tommy Durden, Seneca sophomore Paxton Gertz, Roanoke Benson freshman Jude Zeller, Marquette senior Crew Bond, and Midland senior Keegan Faulkner. Congratulations to those guys putting on a show at the Tri-County Conference Tournament. Indian Creek beat Leland 74-66. For Indian Creek, Jeffrey Propes had 27, Jake Taylor 16, and Sam Genslinger 15. Earlville 73, Depew 42. Earlville was led by Garrett Cooks 18 points, 5 assists, and 4 steals. Adam Waite 17 points, 25 rebounds and 7 steals. Diego Vasquez had 15 points and Ryan Browder 14 points and 11 rebounds. El Paso Gridley 67, Leroy 55 in overtime. EPG outscored Leroy 12 to nothing in overtime to get the victory. For the Titans, Micah Meese had 27 points off 6 three-pointers. Jonah Funk had 20 points and 13 rebounds for a nice double-double, and Chance Say Maxson had 10 points. Kiwani 56, Monmouth Roseville 54 for the two-point Boilermaker victory. Cottrell Reed hit a three with 25 seconds on the clock to help Kiwani win the game. What a huge shot. Reed finished with 17 points off five threes. Blaze Lewis had 16 points and four three-pointers. Brady Clark finished with 12 points. And at this time, on Friday, January 27th, Clark was seven points shy of the milestone of 1,000 career points. St. Bede, 57, Mendota, 42. For the Bruins, Isaiah Hart had 19 and John Brady, 10. Mendota's Rafa Romero had 25. Amboy fell to Eastland, 50 to 40. For the Clippers, Eddie Jones had 16, and Troy Anderson had 15. Fieldcrest, 49, Ridgeview, 42. Landon Mudro had 15, and Ed Lorton had 12 for Fieldcrest. Going to the girls' side of things on the basketball court, Stillman Valley beat Oregon 75-36. For Stillman Valley, Madison McKemmond had 15, and Maya Jansen had 14. Five players for Stillman Valley were in double digits. For Oregon, Mariah Drake had 15. Morris, 53. Plano, 44. For Morris, Landry Callahan had 32 points and 20 rebounds. Whew, that's a game. On the wrestling mats, Kiwani had a triangular with IVC and Metamora. 
Kiwani won it as they beat IVC 84-0 and Metamora 45-31. Kiwani's pins against IVC were at 106, Kingston Peterson, 113, Chance to Splitter, 120, Landon Greenhagen, 132, Waylon Lambert, 138, Will Taylor, 145, Parker DeBoard, 152, Max Kelly, 160, Jackson Hicks, and 170, Jackson Hawkins. The Boilermaker pins against Metamora. Peterson at 106, the Splitter at 113, Taylor at 138, Kelly at 152, Hicks at 160, and at 182, Alejandro Duarte. Saturday, January 28th, girls basketball, Oregon defeated Dakota 51-22. For Oregon, Hadley Lutz had 15, Ava Hackman had 10. Fieldcrest 60, Piatone 42. Coming into the game, Piatone was class 2A number 5 in the rankings, IHSA rankings. And their records after the game, Fieldcrest 23-3 and Piatone 23-1. So between the two teams, they lost four games and won 46. Wow. <laughs> 46 and four record between the two teams. And two of those tallies are this game as they went against each other. Pretty impressive stuff from Fieldcrest and Piatone. The Knights get the better of this one, 60-42. For Fieldcrest, Caitlin White had 18 points. Carolyn McGow had 15 points and eight rebounds. And Haley Carver had 11 points. Amboy, 47, Mendota, 21. For the Clippers, Edison Pertel had 16, and Ellie Jones had 13. Mendota was led by Rihanna Brandt, who had 7 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 blocks. LaSalle, Peru, 55, St. Bede, 48. I was at this game for WLPO running cameras for the Star Rock Media YouTube page as we do a YouTube broadcast for a lot of games, and this was one of them. It was a close back-and-forth battle after Josh Seneca, LaSalle Peru's senior star, got hurt. Not come back in the game pretty much the entire second half with the leg injury, so St. Bede gained a little bit with the injury, but then LaSalle Peru started to figure things out with their go-to player on the bench, and they ended up winning the game. It was a good game, though, on a Saturday afternoon, LaSalle, Peru, and St. Bede never let you down in terms of sports and especially against each other. Kiwani lost to Farmington 41-37. Brady Clark became the 15th Boilermaker to reach the 1,000-point career marker. Congrats to him. That's not easy to do, especially Kiwani's been around forever, and he's the 15th one to do so. Shows how good of a player he is. Blaze Lewis had 12 points. And Clark finished with 11 points for Kiwani. Indian Creek 66, Hiawatha 48. Jeffrey Probst had 31 points, 22 of them in the second half. Sam Genslinger 11 points. And Jacob McNally had 10 points for Indian Creek. Boys swimming, the Sterling Invite. Lincoln Way West won with a 417. Sterling took second with a 352. Auburn was third at 311. LaSalle Peru was fourth at 280, and Kiwani was fifth with 28 points. And the winners from our area, the 200 medley relay, Sterling won, Skylar Jolima, Evan Scott, Peter Garland, and Connor Porter with 1 minute, 45.88 seconds.
200 intermediate. Sterling's Connor Porter, 2 minutes, 9.86 seconds. The 100 freestyle, Skylar Jolima from Sterling, 51.06 seconds. 500 free, Connor Porter from Sterling, 5 minutes, 11.79 seconds. And in the 100 breaststroke, Chris Lowry from LaSalle, Peru, 1 minute, 6.77 seconds. Monday, January 30th, Putnam County 51, Henry Sinanchuan 37, Ava Hatton had 24, and Gabby Doyle had 12 points for the Lady Panthers. Earlville 46, Indian Creek 20, Fieldcrest 53, Olympia 44, Ashland May had 12 points, 8 assists, and 4 steals for the Knights. Burrow Valley beat Kiwani 53-40. Kate Salisbury had 18 points and 10 rebounds for Burrow Valley. And Maya Deering had 17 points for Kiwani. El Paso Gridley lost to Leroy 46-44. Leroy had a 15-point lead. El Paso Gridley had came back, just could not put the finishing touches on the game. For EPG, Miley Earhart 17 points hit four threes, and Kaylee Randall had nine points and 12 rebounds. Anawan, 57, United Township, 24. For Anawan, Bella Van Opdorp had 16. Hall, 37, Newman, 27. For Hall, McKenna Christensen had 12 points, and Kennedy Wozniak had 10. Princeton, 58, Mendota, 30. For Princeton, Cameron Driscoll had 12 points, and Rihanna Brandt had 12 points and 16 rebounds, for Mendota. Boys basketball, Newark 56, IMSA 47. El Paso Gridley lost to Reed Custer 60-56. For EPG, Micah Meese had 19 points and Chauncey Maxson had 11 points. Serena 72, Depew 22, Princeton 58, Mendota 30, and Fieldcrest beat Gibson City Melvin Sibley 54-73 in two overtimes. Four field crests. Connor Reichman had 20. Landon Mudro had 13. And Brady Russman also had 13. Girls Bowling. Mendota, 22-58. Streeter, 21-38. For Mendota, Isabel Escatel had a 487 three-game series. Tuesday, January 31st. Princeton 69, Burrow Valley 34. I was at this game also shooting for WLPO, and it was a great game to be at as Grady Thompson was seven points away from Joe Rucklick's record for the most points scored as a Princeton Tiger. Rucklick was a fantastic player back in the day, and he made it to the NBA, played with a guy you might have heard of before, Wilt Chamberlain. He also gave him the assist for the iconic, iconic 100-point game that Wilt Chamberlain will probably always have the record for. The last assist of those 100 points came from Luke Rucklick. They were actually really, really, really good friends and stayed in touch until Wilt Chamberlain passed away. Joe Rucklick just passed away a year or two ago. I had the opportunity, fortune, to speak with Joe Rucklick for a story I did a Where Are They Now like six, seven years ago, and I got to talk to Joe. We talked for like an hour about just everything. He was a really cool guy and a great interview. Rest in peace, Joe Rucklick, and congratulations to Grady Thompson for being able to pass his record, and he obviously has time 
to add on to the record as well. So good stuff for Grady Thompson and good stuff for Princeton as they beat Mendota 69-34. The Little Ten Conference Tournament, Hinkley Big Rock beat Indian Creek 71-36. For Indian Creek, Sam Jenslinger had 12 points. Earlville 69, Salmonock 51, also in the Little Ten Conference Tournament. For Earlville, Adam Waite, 21 points, 26 rebounds. Woof! Ryan Browder, 19 points, 12 rebounds. Garrett Cook, 17 points, 6 assists. And Trenton Fruit had 12 points. Kiwani, 72, St. Bede, 49. Kiwani had four players with four points each in Jaden Little, Will Rumbled, Blaze Lewis, and Brady Clark. Newman, 64, Mendota, 48. Simpson led Newman with 21 points, and Rafael Ramiro had 16 for Mendota. Girls basketball, Sandwich 36, Morris 35. For Morris, Landry Callahan had 15 points, and McKenna Boyle had 10. Oregon lost to Forreston, 47-21. Fieldcrest moved their record to 25-3 on January 31st as they got an 82-18 win over Henry Sinanchuan. Every night in a uniform, scored. Caitlin White had 24 points and hit six threes. Carolyn McGow had 13 points and Ashlyn May 11. Seneca 58, St. Bede 57. For Seneca, Kennedy Hartwig had 28. Amboy 30, Newark 25. The last day that we're going to cover for this win lose stat Wednesday, February 1st. Boys basketball, Fieldcrest 61, Midland 50. Landon Mudrow had 24 and Josiah Johnson had 10 for Fieldcrest. Keegan Faulkner led Midland with 15. Girls basketball, Anawan 58, Stark County 27. For Anawan, Bella Van Opdorp had 13, and Kennedy Rico had 12. Amboy 54, Earlville 28. Ellie Jones led the Lady Clippers 14 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 4 steals. Wednesdays is when the IHSA rankings came out. The rankings for the girls in 2A, Byron was number 4 with their 25-2 record and Fieldcrest was 7th at 25-3. For the boys, in 4A, Yorkville received 1 vote, 21 points away from the top 10. In 3A, Caneland received 2 votes, 8 away from the top 10. In 2A, Princeton sat in the number 2 spot with a 25-1 record. Seneca received three votes in 2A, 26 away from the top 10. In 1A, Hinkley Big Rock had two votes, 24 away from the top 10. That's your win-loser stat for this episode. Getting caught up, getting to the postseason. That's regular season action in the win-lose stat. Let's get to the postseasons that I had mentioned to begin with. Boys Bowling State Meet was January 27th and 28th at St. Clair Bowl in O'Fallon. Team standings, Salem won it with a 12-7-06, averaging 211.8 pins per game. We didn't have a team finish in the standings. Individually, Dale Horseman, senior from Yorkville, was 18th with 2,542, averaging 211.8 per game. Landon Bauer, from Mendota, the junior was 50th 
with 2,430, averaging 202.5 per game. Congratulations to Dale, Landon, and every bowler that participated in the playoffs, the regular season. Bowling is not easy, and it's one class. Everybody bowls against everybody, and to get to the state meets tough, let alone finish in a ranking spot. Competitive dance. The state meet was also the 27th and 28th in Bloomington at the Gross Singer Motors Arena. In Class 1A, Jacksonville won with a 92-40. Morris finished second with a 92-35. Congratulations to Morris. Not easy finishing second in the state in Class 1A. Competitive cheerleading the sectionals were January 28th. The Belvedere North sectional in the small school section. Stillman Valley was sixth with a 79-57. Unfortunately, only the top five teams advanced to the state meet. Rova was number five with a 81-33. So just a couple points behind for Stillman Valley. Also in the small schools, Byron was seventh with a 79-03. Oregon was 11th with a 72-17. And Kiwani was 13th with a 70-83. In the medium-sized schools, Rochelle was 13th with a 77-97, and Sycamore was 15th with a 77-03. In the large schools at the Belvedere North sectional, DeKalb was 13th with a 76-10. At the Bradley Bourbonnet sectional, medium schools, Providence Catholic won with a 95-10. Moore showing that they can not only dance, but they can cheerlead as well as they took second in the sectional with a 91-98. Plano was 10th with a 77-97. Ottawa was 12th with a 75-47. LaSalle, Peru, 16th with a 70-97. And Streeter with a 58-33 was 18th. Again, the top five advance, so Morris went to state. Buffalo Grove sectional in the small schools. Genoa Kingston was 9th with a 73-30. Hoffman Estate sectional, Top five advance, including Samanac in the small schools as they finished third with an 84-30. Sandwich was 11th with a 75-50. And at the O'Fallon sectional in the large schools, Yorkville finished eighth with an 85-13. Congratulations again to Dale Horseman, Landon Bauer, an 18th and a 50th place finishing at the Bulls Bowling State Tournament. That's huge. Morris finishing second at the dance state meet. Man, just a lot of cool things going on. Morris and Simonock advanced to the state final as well. It's always awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome to be able to say that. Be proud of our area, things that we have going on in Illinois. So congratulations to everybody and everything that they did in the postseason. We're going to end the intro right there. We're going to have a word with Mendota Ford. Talk to Gray Giovanni, have a word with Surf Internet, and then talk to Scott Hardison and Hayden Moore from Geneseo Golf. Had a fantastic fall season, and we got to speak with them. We'll be back soon. Got so much more to talk about. So many more interviews in the vault ready to get out to you as fast as possible. So until next time, peace. The Chats with Gray Giovanni and... Geneseo Golf Representatives Hayden Moore and Scott Hardison are brought to you by Mendota Ford. 
Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town. The staff of General Manager Ski Hartman and his associate Jason Hintz pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want and cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Ski has lived in Princeton since he was five years old and has been with Mendota Ford for two years. He has plenty of experience helping you with all of your vehicle needs as he has been in the motorcycle business for 20 years and over 10 years in car sales and management. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for seven years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Ski and Jason will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. Always love this time of the year because it's the News Tribune, Illinois Valley Hall of Fame. We get everything set up. The inductees are already announced. Then we do some write-ups. We have a celebration, which is June 2nd this year. And it's really cool for me. When I was writing with the local paper, I did Where Are They Now stories. So I caught up with you know, people 20, 30, however many years ago, and their story and what they were doing and you know the highlights of their career. Well, now with this Hall of Fame that they asked me to write stories for, I get to talk to all kinds of people, including my guest today, Gray Giovanni. Gray, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. My pleasure. So, I originally reached out because your dad, Chips Giovanni, longtime coach in the Illinois Valley area, iconic, legendary coach, and you were given, I was given your contact info talking to you, and I was like, hey, let's do this for the podcast, and let's tell some cool stories. Well, I tell you, there could be a book of stories on Chips Giovanni. Anybody that, uh, that knew him uh, had a story about him, for sure. So he graduates in 1954 from Depew and coached at Barrow and Buda, Buda Western, LaSalle, Peru, uh, just a long, long time. Where did you come about in his process of coaching, you know, as his son? Well, you know, to, to go back, uh, first of all, the Depew teams that he was on were some of the great small school teams in the state of Illinois when there was only one class. And uh, I want to say his sophomore, junior year, I think they made it to the Sweet 16 in one class. They had uh, kind of an unbelievable history, the Talbot brothers and my godfather, his teammate, Lupe Rios. So Depew was an extraordinarily unique, talented, small community for athletes. Several of those guys went on and had great uh, college careers. Uh, my father went to Western Illinois and actually uh, became a Hall of Fame baseball player at Western Illinois. And then you just referenced his first job out of college. He went to Bureau Township High School, who had all of 19 boys in the high school. Four classes, 19 boys. He had 17 of them in the basketball program, and he was an English teacher, and they played baseball. And they say, hey, we need a basketball coach. He said, well, I could do that. So he got those guys organized, and they went 27-0 and zero <laughs> before they finally got beat. Wow. So in three years there, I think he lost like five or six games. 
in three years at Bureau Township High School, which of course no longer exists. It was over kind of in the Princeton area. And then he took a job at uh, uh, what was Western Community High School. It's often referred to as Buda Western. That was one of the two towns, Buda and Sheffield, uh, that made up that high school. And he had a 16-year run there that culminated in his last three years of going 85 and 6. Two of those teams went to the Illinois State Finals back then. They, they'd go to Champaign, Illinois, the top eight teams. And uh, his last couple teams uh, went there. So, yeah, he won 85 and 6. And so I was a sophomore on those teams and then junior and senior. So in, in you know, my last three years with him, we were 85 and 6. And then he decided he was going to get out of coaching and follow my college career. I was going to go on and play college basketball, and he was going to follow me. And he was out of coaching for about two weeks. <laughs> and uh, the folks at LaSalle, Peru, had an opening. Uh, of course, great tradition and history there at LP. And uh, he took the LaSalle, Peru job for another 16 years and uh, had, you know, just unprecedented success in uh, uh, a great run there at LP before uh, finally getting out of coaching. So, you know, I, I played for him at a small school at Western High School. And then I was, you know, went into, I played, and then I went into coaching at the, in the college ranks. And so I, I would come in periodically, you know, the, the holidays and so on. So I'd catch his teams, his, his LP teams playing in the, you know, the Pekin Holiday Classic or the uh, the Bloomington uh, Holiday Tournaments. And so I, I was kind of in and out to, during uh, the, those that window of his career as, as I was moving through the, the college coaching ranks at places like Valparaiso and Wichita State and and down in Texas at Rice University and, and at Lamar University. But so, so I actually, our, our coaching careers kind of parallel one another for uh, about, you know, 12 or 14 years. That's amazing. Uh, just to elaborate on some of the things that you were saying about your dad's career, at Western we have him at 331 wins and 138 losses in 18 seasons. Won a district title in 68 the 67-68 season, and then the state burst that you were talking about were 74-75 and then the 75-76 season. And the 74-75 team finished fourth in Class A. And then LP, 16 years, 304 wins, 126 losses. So his wins almost quadrupled the amount of losses he had in his career. He had won his first season at LaSalle, Peru, was a losing season. He, he took over the program when it was really down. I think in his 16 and three, I, I think he just had one losing season. And, and you know, you're not talking about teams that were just above 500. You're talking about teams that were winning 20, 25 games every year. That just became the norm. And, and so, you know, as those wins accumulated, he became, you know, one year he was actually named the national high school coach uh, of the year. I think, uh, my junior year in high school, uh, when they we finished fourth in the in the state, and, and you know he became a prominent lecturer. You know he did a ton of coaching clinics uh, around the state and around the Midwest, and and he was always just a tremendous student of the game. I remember going to clinics with him, and you know he'd sit in the front row and take notes long after he'd won five and six hundred games. You know, and I think as part of what made him so good, he was a lifelong learner. He, he never. Uh, felt like he had uh, figured it all out. He was he was a thirsty learner. And I think that's why he continued to adjust through all those years and stay on top of the game and stay relevant. But as you said, just had a remarkable uh, run of success. 
What was it about him, his uh, delivery of what he was telling his players or the way he went right. about the game, the X's and O's? What was it about him that right. helped to make him successful? Yeah, it's a great question, Brandon. And I, and I will tell you, he was a, a tremendous believer that you know, one of his favorite expressions was enthusiasm is caught, not taught. And so he would come to practice every day fired up. And his teams reflected that. His teams played with great energy, great enthusiasm, and, and really played hard. So that was most often reflected in their defensive effort. You know, they really would come at you defensively. They were stifling. And he demanded that they were unselfish. So, you know, his teams always had great balance. Uh, he didn't typically have one guy that was a – and he had a lot of guys that would go on to play in college, mostly, you know, small colleges, but – I think he had one youngster, LaSalle Poulon, had a good career at Marquette, but it, most of his teams were very well balanced. And so it wasn't that he was an extraordinary X and O guy, although you know he was solid and they ran good stuff, but his teams played very hard and they were very enthusiastic and unselfish. And, and I think that reflected him. I mean, anybody that knew him, he was a fiery guy. Well, you know, typically teams do reflect the character of their leadership. He coached and practiced uh, – uh, he was very demonstrative and excited, and that was reflected in the way uh, that his teams played. And, and the other thing that, that I can tell you, I went to his retirement, uh, it was supposed to be a roast. My mother had, you know, kind of secretly gathered 36 years worth of former players, and they were going to come together, and she had assigned one player from each era to get up and kind of have some fun at his expense. And so it was a surprise. He walked into the in, in Princeton, Illinois, at this banquet hall, and there they were. All these guys wanted to come back. And I was coaching. I was a head Division One college basketball coach. And I came back. And the first guy got up to speak and roast him. And he began to talk about – he told kind of one funny story. And he said, but, you know, man, when I needed coach, you know, my mother passed. He was there for me. And, and he kind of teared up. And another guy got up and he said, you know, the coach used to tear up our ankles with bad taping jobs. And everybody laughed. And he said, but, you know, I modeled my, you know, I became a father and a husband because I saw how he had, had done things. And I wanted to be like him. And his players loved him, I would say, in large part because uh, they knew he, that he, he cared about him. He, he poured himself into his players. And that was reflected in how they played and, and how they modeled their lives for the years that would follow. That's fantastic. Uh, since you dropped her in there, what is your mom's name? Yeah, Mary Ellen. You know, I spoke at an event, Brandon and I, I said, you know, my father, between the two of us, you know, we won 1,200 games, but the most remarkable piece, I think, is that she either was in attendance at every one <laughs> or, or watching online for every one. So I don't know anybody that's uh, been a part of more uh, high school and college games than my mother. Wow, and she's actually got both of you beat because she was watching both of your games. That's right. We took credit for the wins, and she had to handle the losses. <laughs> it was a tough, tough gig, but uh, no, she's uh, she's been there through it all. When did Chips pass away? He's been gone, I believe, eight years now. When he passed away, I'm guessing the community, everybody came together and reached out to you a lot. Yeah, you know, he was diagnosed with uh, uh, pancreatic cancer, and one of the I guess sort of blessings of the diagnosis was everybody knew that, you know, his time was uh, was somewhat limited. And so there were a parade 
of well-wishers and so many of his former players that wanted to see him, you know, tell him uh, the impact that they he had made on their lives. And so people would kind of make this pilgrimage to his, to his home. Even when he was really sick, he, he would kind of perk up. And a lot of times he'd pull out the old yearbooks from when, when different guys played, you know, and they would reminisce. And, and uh, it was really, uh, really remarkable to watch the, the interactions there, uh, you know, that he had with all these former players that he'd impacted. That's pretty awesome. So a lot of people reached out. He had a, a lot of love and support from the community. Well, he did, and I mean, his his visitation was like a I don't know, there's seven or eight hundred people that that you know lined up to just kind of pay their respects and and uh, you know share with my sister and myself and my mother and our family just uh, you know how much he'd met and and what an inspiration he was and, and really you know as we talked about earlier to that Illinois Valley you know the from you know Depew and and Bureau Township you know right outside of Princeton and then of course the. The, the beautiful, you know, Western High School, and then all the LaSalle Peru years. You know, it was always kind of in that, you know, the the, the breadbasket, so to speak, of, of Illinois. There. Since you dropped her name as well, what's her sister's name? Her name is Jill. She is in Princeton, and uh, she was a. You know, we talked earlier, uh, ran about those great uh, that eighty-five and six run uh, of teams that he had at Peter West. Well, she was a cheerleader on those teams, so it was a, it was a real family affair. So every part of your family, so you, your sister, mom and dad, all involved in sports pretty much forever. I didn't really know any different. I, 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 you know, you just kind of grew up around the game and, you know, players were at our home and, you know, uh, I'd go scouting and with, uh, with my father and, and uh, my sister was involved. And, of course, my mother was all the games. So, yeah, it really was a, a family affair. What I really appreciated and, and what I saw was when he stepped down from coaching, when everybody convened as successful he's been, you know, all the, all the championships and all the wins, that really wasn't the focus of what his legacy was. It was much more about, you know, helping mold young men. You know, he, he, he as a high school coach, you know, he was dealing with kids when they were in those formative years. And uh, so many of them, I think, came away having, you know, been mentored uh, by him and that he modeled for. And the impact was, uh, you know, his legacy, I think, lives in the way so many of those, you know, young men grew up and raised families and, and became key parts of their community. And so many of them credit uh, his leadership for, uh, for that happening. With that said, what does it mean to you and your family for you know, Chips Giovanni, legendary coach, to be inducted in the third class of the News Tribune Illinois Valley Hall of Fame. Well, it's it's you know terrific. I know he'd be thrilled. He was uh, uh, loved the region. You know, he, he's a guy that he used to go back to those uh, Depew where he grew up. You know, have the boat races uh, annually, and and boy, he loved you know going back uh, to Depew. He loved his time. You know, in and around, he actually settled. He ended up living in Princeton, Illinois, and you know, was a regular at places like you know the Farukis and Rips and all. You know, all the you know, he just uh, was an Illinois Valley guy, and so certainly to be uh, recognized and acknowledged like that, I know something he'd be thrilled with. With having a father like that, obviously we've talked where you played for him. You were at a lot of his games, and you know, then he came to your games. What did it yeah. mean for you to kind of keep the family tradition going and coach basketball yourself? You know, people ask me, you know, when I decided to go into coaching, and I, it was just kind of a natural progression. I just thought that's what you did. <laughs> I just you know, I grew up around coaching, and so when I went and played in college, you know, as, as I was graduating, I immediately became a graduate assistant coach. 
and then uh, you know got a, a break and had a chance to get to the Division One level for 18 years, and kind of, I would say it's very much a continuation of, of his legacy. You know, so many of the things that I did and, and the foundation of, of, you know, the programs that I've been involved with really came from uh, the influence uh, that he had on me. That's fantastic. Let's do your timeline. So you graduated high school in what year? And then let's go from there. Yeah, 77 uh, was my last year uh, playing there at Utah Western High School. And I went to a community college for a couple years up in Freeport. And then I went and played down in Missouri, the University of Central Missouri, a Division II school. And really the reason I went there in part was because that is a, a cradle of the great college coaches. If you know the history of college basketball, Fog Allen, you know, Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas. Well, he began his career at Central Missouri. Joe B. Hall, the legendary Kentucky coach, he began it at Central Missouri. Gene Bartow, who was, uh, you know, a great coach, was at Illinois UCLA. There was a kind of history of great coaching lineage there that I wanted to be a part of. And, and so I, I went there and played, and then I was a grad assistant, and then I got a chance to get into the Division One ranks early on. I coached at several different schools, Valparaiso University, a, a shortstop at Western Illinois, which was my father's uh, alma mater, and then Valpar- uh, Valparaiso uh, Wichita State, Oral Roberts University, I ended up in Texas at Rice University, and then I was the head coach at Lamar University for six years, and uh, we really had things rolling there, but I had three little boys come along and, and wanted to get back uh, to my roots and a job in the Quad Cities at Augustana College opened, and uh, so I came back home and spent 21 years there at Augustana, and obviously we had a, a great run. I think our last five years we won more NCAA tournament games than any school in the country at any level. And uh, that was uh, an awful lot of fun. And then, uh, let's see, three, four years ago now, I had a bout with prostate cancer and uh, came out of that in, in good standing, but uh, a game changer. And so I, I got out of coaching two years ago, and now I work with uh, the largest provider of international educational opportunities in North America, a company called World Strides. And what I do, Brandon, is I connect – uh, college basketball teams with international competition opportunities. So we take teams from all over the country, all over the world. So I get to continue to keep my hand in the game. That's awesome. Your three sons, what are their names and are they playing basketball? Well, uh, they did. Of course, they were bouncing around uh, as youngsters, but uh, the oldest one has the same first name as, as me, Gray, and he's in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's uh, one of the leading salesmen in the country for Sherwin Williams. And, uh, and just doing great. And our middle guy is uh, Reed is in uh, Iowa, and he's the head administrator for a long-term care facility there, and we're certainly proud of him. And, and the youngest guy, uh, Luke, is in St. Louis and works for a uh, environmental uh, waste management company in their labs and is uh, going to save the planet. So uh, all three of them are, are just doing great. Well, they uh, definitely got into top-tier professions. Awesome for them. Well, fortunately, they're, they're all smarter than, than I was. They didn't go into coaching, <laughs> so they, but they're all finding their own way, and, and they're all doing great, and they had a great relationship with their grandfather, and I think it's amazing how often I hear them reference, you know, their, their grandfather had a terrific impact on them as well. Awesome, and I don't know if we mentioned it before, what's your wife's name, the mother of your three kids? Yeah, Kelly is uh, uh, my wife, and she came through, uh, of course, a coaching intersection. She was working at Oral Roberts University in our athletic department uh, when I was coaching there. And so she and I uh, first met there and uh, uh, been married 32 years. Yeah, and, and you asked about my sister. She's in Princeton, 
and uh, she and her husband Brian, and they they've got two kids, and she now has six grandchildren that are keeping her busy. So uh, uh, she's doing quite well. I don't know family events, uh, you know family reunions. I don't know how you know your guys' family dynamic works, but guys get together and talk about your dad often. Hell yeah, yeah. We uh, certainly all the holidays. Uh, you know, if not all of us, most of us get together, and then we have an annual event. We we actually moved up to a place called Lake Somerset, which is right on the Illinois Wisconsin border. So we we got a big lake house, and everybody comes up here in the summer and really has a, a great connections and certainly my father's uh, has very much a presence at all those gatherings sounds like his legacy is going to live on there's no question i, I think it, it lives in on uh, you know on all the all the players that he had and came in contact with and really all the players that i had and he came in contact with and certainly through the family uh, as well so yeah he, he, it is quite a legacy well, great. I want to say thank you. I appreciate you spending some time with us. I know you had some travel things going on. We had to kind of separate it, but that's cool. Well, we got everything done and found out a lot about your dad, yourself, your family. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and congrats to the Giovanni family for, you know, Chips being inducted in this Hall of Fame. Well, like I said, I, I know he would be uh, immensely appreciative and, and so excited because the uh, Illinois Valley has, uh, has meant so much to him, so uh, much appreciated. Hello, Mendota. Resolve to make stronger connections with Surf Fiber Internet. Right now, get two free Eero Wi-Fi routers with gig speed. And with all speed plans, you can add on a home phone for just $10 a month. Unlike the other guys, there's no contracts, hidden fees, or annual rate increases. Ever. Don't miss out. Call 844-955-SURF or visit surfinternet.com to make the switch today. Limited time offers, restrictions apply. It is really, really wet and raining right now, but just a couple weekends ago, it was beautiful and state golf was going on. And my guest today, and his coach, also my guest today, had a great day at the IHSA State Golf Meet Prairie Vista Golf Course in Bloomington. I am talking about Geneseo's Hayden Moore and Geneseo coach Scott Hardison. Thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. I know we're quite a ways from you, but we appreciate you uh, uh, covering Geneseo sports and and covering uh, Hayden's great couple of days down at State. Always had a good relationship with Geneseo every time I was there for LaSalle Peru things in my News Tribune days. So I was like, yeah, I got to cover these guys, especially when an athlete is doing something like this. Hayden, you finished first, but did you lose a, a playoff or something? But you were right there at the top. Yeah, it, uh, it really came down to the last hole. I was leading by one, and then uh, Wade, who was uh, trailing by one, ended up making a a long putt for birdie, which ended up high in our scores, and then that led us to a playoff, which unfortunately, on the first hole, I ended up making bogey, and he made par, climbed up losing. But a playoff hole for the state championship. That had to be an amazing feeling. Yeah, it, it was pretty crazy ending up in that situation. I mean, I definitely knew going into the week I could play well, but after uh, day two was over, knowing I was tied for the lead and headed for a playoff, uh, it's something I didn't really expect, but I was excited to go and try and win it. When you came in to the state meet, what was kind of your expectations? What were you thinking was going to happen? After playing the practice round of the course, I really liked it, and uh, I thought it suited my game pretty well. 
I had some pretty high expectations for myself, especially playing as well as I uh, have been recently. So I expected to definitely give it a run for the state title, and that's what ended up happening. Have you been in state before? No, it's actually my my first year making it to state. Your first year, and you finish tied with the lead and then fall in a playoff hole, which, I mean, I would be super proud of that. you got to be. Definitely proud of that, especially after not making it last year or my, or my freshman year. So just a pretty big accomplishment for me. Because you're a junior this year, correct? Yeah. So you got one more year to do this. Yeah, one more year. So now your eyes have to be set on the prize, right? Definitely. You finish this way your junior year, coming back a senior year, you got to be thinking, hey, I got to take the state championship home. Yeah, that's the hope. Uh, I think, I mean, I definitely have a shot for it next year. Just got to play well again. What were things that were going well for you during the season? Your long game, short game, what is about your game that made you play so well? I would say it was probably more my short game because during the season I really wasn't hitting it the best off the tee or my approach shots weren't my best, so I kind of had to rely on my short game to get up and down and try to salvage the rounds, which I ended up doing most of my rounds. And I think it also came down to just having a good mental game and not letting some bad holes really ruin around and just keep fighting. Doesn't sound like you had many bad holes at state, though. No, I, I did not. I had uh, one double bogey. That was my worst score of the tournament, but I still ended up coming back after that bad hole and didn't let it ruin my whole round. Good stuff. How do you get ready for something like this? You know, it's the biggest meet of the year, and you want to win or you want to do well, but how do you prepare for that and not get in your head too much to kind of psych yourself out? Well, for me, I just, uh, before going into the tournament, I knew what I needed to work on my golf game, and I spent a lot of time beforehand just working on those certain things to get ready. And then I, I knew I was hitting it well and playing well, and I have the ability to play really well in this tournament, so I just trusted that and just went to the tournament confident and, yeah, just trusted my game. When did you start playing golf? Probably around the age of probably four is when I really started. Just, like, for fun, maybe I have, like, a junior set of clubs, and every once in a while I just hit balls in my backyard. But competitively really started my freshman year of high school is when I started playing tournament. Gotcha. So kind of you've been playing for a very long time, but kind of – having fun, you know, just playing around, and then all of a sudden the high school came around, and you're like, all right, we're going to make this serious now. Yeah, I definitely, after my freshman and really sophomore year, I kind of started to fall in love with the game and just try to pursue it more and realized that I had pretty good potential to be a solid player, and that's what happened this year. I have a feeling now you're on the minds of, like, some college coaches and stuff. I hope so. I'm not sure yet, but I imagine if I just keep playing well and keep getting good results... It'll come in the future. Is that something that you're interested in doing? I don't know if you play any other sports or anything, but is golf the thing that you want to continue to do after high school? Yeah, definitely. That's the goal after high school, just to hopefully play at a good college. And eat pizza? Uh, I do love pizza. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of pizza? Uh, I would have to say chicken bacon ranch. It's got to be my favorite. Okay, that's a different answer. Chicken bacon ranch. I like it. Where's your favorite place to get that from? It's called Danny Boys. It's local in Geneseo. Okay. Danny Boys in Geneseo. So you're saying next time I go up there, I should go stop in for a slice. Yeah, you got to try it. Okay. I'll have to do that. I'll have to do that. Real quick before I get to Coach Hardison, you know, just talk about the Geneseo team. I mean, being a junior, having the scores that you did, I, I know you had a great team around you as well. 
being in an individual sport but with the team aspect i know that's kind of weird at sometimes but it seems like geneseo golf is always maintaining the team aspect yeah this year we really had a good group of guys on our team all of which were pretty solid players it was just exciting playing in tournaments with them and knowing that if they all played their potential we could definitely have a chance of winning every tournament we played in the relationship i had with all the guys go friends with each other and it was just a great time spending time with them on the court that's got to be a good feeling when you walk in and be like, hey, we can win this. We just got to do it ourselves, but we have a chance. That's got to be a good feeling in high school. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Anything else you want to add before I kick it over to Coach? I did not. I appreciate you talking to me, though. Of course, man. Thank you for joining us, Hayden Moore. And I will definitely go eat a slice of pizza, but if I see you on a golf course anywhere Geneseo, I'm walking the other way because I can't play with you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> have a good one. Coach Hardison sounds like he had a pretty good team and a, a pretty good junior here to lead the way. We did. Like Hayden said, we had a really solid team this year. It, it led by Hayden. Hayden was our, our number one the whole year. We had a couple other guys, uh, uh, Bryson Van Hootie, uh, Tate Hager, and Samuel Robinson that really were our top four the whole year. And like Hayden, Hayden said, you know, when we played to our potential, we were pretty good. We finished first at uh, four different invites. Uh, we got second at a couple others. Uh, we won our regional. You know, it was a pretty darn good year for Geneseo Golf. How long have you been with the golf program at Geneseo? This is my fifth year. I've been the girls' basketball coach for 11 or 12 years, and I had watched the boys' golf program because I played in high school, and, and I enjoy uh, the game. And they had had a different coach for about three or four years in a row. When it came open, I went into the athletic director and said, you know, I'd like to see some stability. And that's what he was looking for for the golf program. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. I teach at the high school, and uh, I'd like the opportunity to take over the program. And when I took it over, this group of the seniors and Hayden and Bryson were on my radar right away because we had started a middle school program. and. And Hayden and his group were the first when he was in eighth grade, and they went down to state. So I knew the name of this group coming in when I took over. How does that make it as a coach when you have talented golfers, people that know the game? I mean, he picked up his first club at four years old. So when you have golfers like that come in, is that easy or is it kind of difficult to coach around because you don't know what to say to these players that have been playing for so long? First couple of years, it was difficult to coach kids that are better than you at the game and I have no problem saying hey Hayden's better than me at the game I've decided my job and to help the, the golfers that are at the level of Hayden or near that level because I haven't had a golfer at that level uh, before I think I'm more there as advice on how to play a shot not on his game Hayden knows his game Hayden knows his clubs he can read greens better than me, but sometimes you are dealing with high school boys and, and they need to, you know, think different avenues on, on how to play certain shots. But most of the time, Aiden and I have a relationship where I leave Aiden alone and let him do his things. And with the invention of these scoring apps, as long as he's playing well, I basically leave him a alone i think of myself as a chauffeur and a water boy a lot of times for hayden i just make sure he gets hydration when he needs it make sure he gets to the tournaments on time and safely so 
so far in the three years, I've been able to do those two things pretty well, and uh, he's taking care of the ball. And you don't even have to be a caddy. He knows what clubs he wants. No, I can't be a caddy. Uh, I guess I, I can't carry his clubs. I can suggest clubs, and, but there's no need for that. Um, he knows he knows all of that himself. I would probably screw him up if I started giving him club advice. <laughs> what about pizza advice? Would you tell him to still eat the same pizza that he likes? Uh, he can eat whatever he wants to eat if he continues to play like this. I don't know if I would be... A chicken bacon ranch as my first choice uh, of pizza, but if that's what works for Aiden, then I'm a 100% fan of chicken bacon ranch. Well, now I'm interested what would be your first type of choice if you're getting a slice of pizza, Coach. My favorite place to have pizza is a mom-and-pop, hole-in-the-wall place in town I haven't been to. I always like to try new, different types. We were in Cincinnati uh, with my family a couple of years ago, and we just randomly looked up on Yelp and found this hole in the wall, some of the best pizza I've ever had. So that that's always my suggestion is try somewhere new where you're at. Then you just stick to the basics when you're there. You're a pepperoni, sausage, cheese, stick to the basics. Uh, these, these kids and their new fangled flavors, I'm a pretty basic guy. <laughs> well, if you like mom and pops, I don't know if you've ever been to Troy Grove, but there's a place called Mike's Brownstone. It's a bar, kitchen type of deal, and they have some delicious pizza for a little hole-in-the-wall mom-and-pop like you're speaking of. Okay, so what what was the name of the town? Uh, I didn't even catch that. Troy Grove. Troy Grove, Illinois. Never yep. heard of it, but I will be looking it up. I'm assuming it's up in the LaSalle, Peru, Mendota area. We'll look her up, and maybe that's a road trip for the family. It is right in between LaSalle and Mendota on 39. There's an exit that says Troy Grove. It'll take you right to it. All right. Sounds like a plan. Perfect. I think a lot of the things, like you asked Aiden some great questions. I think the one of the best things about Aiden is how humble he is. He's not into the press. He's not to bang your chest, scream out loud. He just takes care of his business. And my assistant coach, Ryan Kelly, who's who's also instrumental with what we do. We talk about it all the time. You can drive up to Hayden when we're on the course, and you don't know if he's 8 over or 4 under. He keeps his composure. He knows he keeps his emotions in check. And, you know, he's such a humble kid. You know, he would tell you, you know, when he was talking to you, he told you about Wade's big birdie putt on 18. Wade, who's a good golfer, wants to a great kid, is very emotional on the course, and, he hit that putt, and everybody knew he hit the putt. He let him know. Well, Hayden still had about a 12- or 13-foot slider that he had to make for par to send it to a playoff. He doesn't talk about that. He talked about the great putt that the other kid. But even Wade came up to me after Hayden hit that 12-foot slider to send it to the playoff. He said, Coach, you got a dog on your team. I check with these uh, high school boys to find out what their vernacular means, but that means <laughs> that's a show of respect from, from one player to another. And, and there's, you know, I can recount numerous situations where Hayden, he just understands the game of golf. I, I don't remember the exact hole, but he hit a drive on the first day and it went a little left, heading to the hole. And Hayden said, Coach, don't worry, that's left. But I noticed when I walked by earlier that the pin was way in the back on the right. So I'll still be able to approach it. So he does some amazing things for on golf that he doesn't even talk about himself. That's because he's a dog, right? 
That's right. Apparently, that's a good thing. I'm gonna have to be. <laughs> And have to start calling the cool kids dogs, because Hayden's definitely one of those kids. No doubt. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting to coach Hayden for another year. I bet. If you got a player like that, you'd want to keep him as long as you can. Unfortunately, you only get four years. Well, that's okay. I'll take four years, and then, uh, you know, I think Hayden talked about his recruiting trail and what. I, I think that's going to heat up quite a bit now. I think he's kind of made a name for himself at State. Uh, he and I were just chatting. He played. A prep tour event this past weekend down in Metaphora, two different courses, and he won that too. So his game isn't falling off. He's still working on his craft. He's he's got several things he's going to this winter. He got invited to an invitation only tournament in Texas this summer. So he's going to work on his game, and I'm just going to enjoy watching him play golf for another year. Well, Hayden Moore, Coach Scott Hardison, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Always appreciate it, and congratulations on a fantastic season. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having us, Brandon.